All right, everybody, welcome this weekend. Welcome back to the Warrior Mindset and Motivation Podcast. I am your host, Sergeant First Class Retired Eric Castillo, and I'm also a life coach at Zimi Wellness Center in Indigenous Sovereignty. And this here, I'm going to call it the weekend edition because I typically do it on Thursdays. And, you know, if someone can't typically meet a Thursday because they got busy schedule, busy lives, I understand. So I meet the flexibility of my guests. So this time, it's the weekend edition. It's Saturday. It's 11 over here on the West Coast, 2 o'clock over there on the East Coast. And we got I got my guest over here. His name is Dave. He's a Marine veteran. He started his own podcast. But I'm not going to take too much of his thunder away because this is a show for him, about him. And I'm not going to sit here and be on my soapbox because I did that a couple weeks ago and I went on my soapbox by myself. So, uh, Dave, go ahead and let everybody watching and listening a little bit about yourself and and give the rundown. All right. Perfect. Hey, Eric, once again, man, thanks for letting me be on here, be a guest on your show. Um, You know, you're a phenomenal guest on my show as well. And that episode is going to be coming out here in a couple of weeks. So hopefully people go and listen to that. And uh, about me. Well, let's see here. Did four years in the Marine Corps, 05 to 09. Um, and so I joined them. The reason why I kind of joined the Marine Corps was prior to the Marine Corps. Like I was always known I was going to go to military. My grandfather is a huge influencer on me and he's Vietnam vet. And nice. yeah, so growing up, I knew I was going to go to the military. I just didn't know when or what branch at the time. Um before I got out of high school, my mom got very ill with, with diabetes and, you know, nine 11 happened. And I told my mom, I was like, Hey, you know, cause I grew I was already graduated from high school. I was like, I'm going to go, I'm not doing anything. I'm doing a bunch of drugs in my life, blah, blah, blah. Got nothing going on really. And uh, I told her I was going to go. My mom's kind of like, Hey, I can't handle the stress of you going. Wait until I wait until I die. <laughs> and then she's like, then you can go. And she's like, you know, you need it. I think it can be, it's going to help you out greatly. And so, you know, I made that deal with her. So I took care of her until she passed and then give it about a year. My mom passed in 04. I gave it about a year to get my mind straight and stuff like that before I actually joined. Um, Cause I wasn't going to be any good to anybody else if I couldn't be mentally strong, you know? Right. So I go to a recruiter's office and I'm like, I had no idea what branch I wanted to go into. You know, my grandfather was army. He talked about the army, had a great time in the army, um, except for when he was in Vietnam. But um, so I just kind of went into the recruiter's office and I was saying to myself, I'm like, well, I'm pretty fucked up. Right. I'm going nowhere in life. I'm a fucking belligerent asshole. Um, You know, I just arrogant, smart ass because at the time I was living my life like, you know, it's better to be a smart ass than a dumbass. Yeah. So. I figured, uh, you know, everybody sees the movies of Marine Corps and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just things that they go through and stuff and all the training, like be the best, blah, 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 you know. And so I was kind of like, well, if, why not? You know, if I don't make it in the Marine Corps, this is how belligerent I was. I was like, if I don't make it in the Marine Corps. I'll just get out and try to go in the Army or the Navy or something like that. Because I thought you could do that, you know. And yeah. uh, so I joined the Marine Corps or I'd go talk to recruiter or whatnot. Take the ASVAB test, take the PT test. Two weeks after walking into that office, I was going down to Paris Island. Nice. And my grandma, I told my grandfather, I was like, hey, I just signed up for the Marine Corps. Um, I'm shipping out to Paris Island in two weeks. My grandfather's like, hell yeah, you need it. You're a belligerent asshole, you know, kind of thing. Like, (laughs) this is a great move on you. I'm like, perfect. You know, thanks. Thanks for the support, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for telling me my life is going to shit. 
and I'm fixing it now. <laughs> and uh, my grandmother calls up my recruiter at the time and she's like, Hey, you know, he was born with seizures and he's got asthma and everything else. My recruiter calls me up. He's like, yo, what's going on with all this stuff? I was like, you can't pull medical records. Right. And he's like, Nope. I was like, yeah, she's lying. <laughs> no. he's like all right he's like all right all right i just need you to come in here and sign a piece of paper saying that you're good to go i was like all right so i just signed a piece of paper said i was i was good to go and then um and then i popped on my drug test oh my initial my initial going in and my recruiter's like because at the time in 05 it was like you know 04 everything was happening in iraq and everything else you know ieds everything else so yeah fortunately the amount of vet or military personnel was going down fast. So they're kind of just taking everybody. So I pop on it. My recruiter calls me up and he's like, Hey, you popped on your drug test. I was like, I told you I was going to pop, you know? <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah. He's like, just, just come down here. I need you to sign this, this waiver pretty much saying that like, yeah, you know, you quit and you know, it was a one-time thing and you were just trying it out kind of shit. I was like, all right. <laughs> Recruiters are shysty, man. <laughs> they were back. Yeah. In my area, they are They're They don't give a fuck. You know, it was all about numbers. <laughs> and uh, I remember on the bus, man, I was going down to Paris. So I live in Massachusetts and I was going down to Paris Island. And I remember on the bus, I was kind of like, that's when it actually hit me. I was like, what the fuck did I do? What the hell am I doing here? Like, I've never been out of mass. Like, you know, I'm about to go on my own, you know, well, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 15. So I've been on my own since. And, uh, so I was kind of like, what the fuck? So I get to Paris Island, you know, and I'm, I was that dude that shaved his head prior to going to boot camp because, yeah. you know, everybody wants to be John Cena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get down there and I was like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, yellow footprints, that whole thing of, you know, all this stuff, you know, you get rid of all your stuff. They're giving you your stuff and everything else. And, I go to my first platoon and whatnot. And at the time I had on my, on my arm, I had a tattoo of the playboy bunny. Oh, geez. Yeah. So <laughs> once again, like what the fuck did I do? You know, kind of thing. So I was called Hugh Hefner all the way through boot camp. <laughs> right. When you said that, I was like, Oh man, it's like, I already knew before you even said, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's over. It's over. But you know, I had a great sense of humor going in there and, uh, you know, my, my kill had asked me one time, he's like, recruit, why'd you join the Marine Corps? <laughs> and this is, I was just into boot camp, So like, I haven't fixed the whole smart ass of me yet and holding my tongue in. And I just flat out told him, I was like, sir, this recruit joined the Marine Corps. Cause they were the only recruiters in the building at the time. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So like boot camp was kind of hell. Um, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, wasn't fun for me at all. And I ended up getting shin splints. And so I had to go to like PCP. So I actually go to boot camp in April and I didn't actually get my EJ and get out of boot camp until November. So I oh, wow. tell people I, I'd done two tours in boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> so I was there an extra three months. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I get done with boot camp and I was, I went in as motor T because I was just signing papers. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, yeah, you know, Marine Corps is Marine Corps. Everybody's badass. And no matter what you do, you're a rifleman. So I get motor T. So I get out of boot camp. I go to MCT and MCT was kind of like you're a Marine, but you're still not yet in mm-hmm. Marine combat training. And it, that's where they tell you, teach you how to do a little bit of like na- uh, land nav stuff, like yeah. all that good stuff. And 
but you're still very restricted and stuff like that. So I get through MCT and then they're like, okay, now you're going to, you know, since you're motor T, you're going to go to Fort Leonard Woods. So Fort Lawson Woods for your, <laughs> your training. I was like, great. So I go out there and that place was fucking shit. It was boring what? as hell. The strip clubs, <laughs> like all the girls were pregnant. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <What? laughs> <You know? laughs> so I, you know, you have that idea, like you're going into Marine Corps, you know, you're going to get this uniform. You're going to be one sexy motherfucker. All the women are going to be flocking to you. And now you're in Fort Leonardwood, Missouri, you know, and the strip clubs suck and everything horrible. It's all horrible. <laughs> so I remember getting my orders for my first duty station. Two years, Okinawa, Japan. Nice. Not really. Not at the time. I was oh. like, Okinawa, Japan. I was like, fuck, dude, I've never been out of mass. Now I'm going to go to another <laughs> fucking country. I don't know how to speak their language. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not into Asians. So oh, I can imagine, like, you never left your state, and then you're going to a different state for basic tra- for boot camp. Then you go to somewhere else to train, and yep. then now you're leaving the country. You're probably like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot to take in, and I'm like, fuck. So, and they tell me, like, yeah, my flight from, uh, I think it was out of uh, San Francisco at the time, was like a 36-hour flight to go to Okinawa, Japan, because of the Whoa. time. But they didn't tell me it's because of the whole fucking you get at some point you get like a day and a half ahead in Japan. <laughs> and you do So nobody tells me that. So I'm like, fuck, dude, I got a 36 hour flight. So I, I load up my fucking my sea bag or whatever with like Slim Jims. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, before before I went into the Marine Corps, I was doing ecstasy and I used to put them in my in my mouth. So I didn't grind my teeth so much. So I was, <laughs> I was still addicted to Slim Jims. And uh, <laughs> so I remember like I get to I get to. uh mainland japan and going through custom the guy grabs my slim jims and just dumps them all into the trash i'm like what the fuck are you doing he's like you can't bring any meat into here mad cow i'm like really dude (laughs) (laughs) like like, this is how you're going to greet me you know i'm a marine you know (laughs) i got that one fucking medal all right come on (laughs) means i did shit (laughs) you did it twice (laughs) Yeah, I kept asking for a star for it, but they don't. Apparently, that doesn't. That's not a thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then I get to uh, Okinawa, Japan, and I first get there. And at the time, my my corporal was like there, and he's telling us everything. And you know, at the time, like I said, I wasn't into Asians. And he goes, "Hey, I just uh, just to let you guys know, it's like thirty six dudes to one American female out here." So I'm like. I'm screwed. <laughs> so, so I told him, I was like, well, I'm going to have to switch hands here every now and then so I can do a proper pull up. I won't be one sided pull up. <laughs> but it, it turned out to be, I had a great time out in Okinawa. Um, after I got alchemated and the culture out there is amazing. The water is phenomenal. Like if anybody is oh, going, anybody that goes out there, get your dive license. I got my dive license. It was like 150 bucks for the weekend and it's good for life. And they got like the number four spot in the world or whatever for just like diving. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, so one thing we didn't know, I, one of my buddies, he, uh, it was almost like we, I, I went in as like uh, the buddy program. So mm. an MCT, I met one of my good buddies and we went to MCT together. We went to MOS school, Fort Lost of the Woods together. And we got the same unit in Okinawa, Japan together. And we were out there all the way through Japan together. And then when we came back to the States, 
he got truck company and I got division licensing, which the only thing that separated us was a fence. So oh, like my-, my whole four years, like I just got like my good buddy of mine, like, you know, all the way through everything. Um, we finally get to go off base. So when you first get there, you're not allowed to go off base and everything else until you get all the rules and regs and stuff like that. We finally get to go off base and like, hey, you got to be back on base by midnight. Like, okay, good to go. So we were at Camp Hansen, and when you go out the gate, Camp Hansen, you look down the street, all the way at the end of the street is this big lit up bar club deal. So we're like, yeah, let's 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 go there, you know. And uh, so we go there upstairs. It's pool table, bars, not nothing really going on. And then they're like, you know, there's a dance floor downstairs. We're like, okay, we're gonna go down there. So we go down like this alleyway of stairs to get into the basement of this place, and it's like talking to the mafia. The door, like, it's barely barely lit in that room that you're standing in, and it's like big metal doors there. So we're banging on the door, and it's like little fucking thing opens up on the side of the wall, <laughs> and she's like, "How many beers?" And I'm like, "I don't know if I want to go in there. <laughs> like, you have to buy beers before you come in." I'm like, "Oh god!" So me and my buddy look at each other and like, "We're about to die." But it's going to be fun. So we buy a beer and then they open the door for us and we go in, we sit down to get the beer, which we paid like $7 for a bud. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Whoa. And then I was like, well, what else do you have? That's not seven bucks. And I find out that at the time vodka and Red Bull is like three fifty. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So that's backwards. Yeah, well, I guess apparently it's because Budweiser's imported over there. Oh, and they have to pay all the shipping fees and all that craziness. That's why. So, Got it. and the Japanese beer is fucking horrible. Um, so we're and she's like, "Go have a seat. Go have a seat at the table." We sit down, and there's like six or seven Filipinos come sit next to us. So oh. now me and my buddy are like, "Yeah, Marine Corps is where it's at." You know, <laughs> the girl kept coming over, and she's like, "You gonna buy them a drink?" We're like, "Hell yeah! Look at us. We need to buy them a drink." You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So we're buying them drinks, buying them drinks, and they're coming out with little shots or whatever. And me and my buddy are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the girls start talking about like, oh, you know, I've never met anybody so nice as you guys. You guys are awesome. You know, all this stuff, you know, really gloating us off. You know, we have to get back on base by midnight. So we're like, okay. And they're like, oh, come back tomorrow night. Come back tomorrow night. We're like, yeah, definitely. So we're, we're flying high, you know, the next day, you know, my corporal comes up to me and he's like, you guys have fun last night? We're like, yeah, we went to this one bar, dude. Like, fucking Marine Corps is where it's at, dude. And we were fucking chicks around us. And he's like, yeah, all those girls are buying me drinkies. <laughs> we're like, what the hell's a buy me drinky? And he goes, did you have to keep <laughs> buying them drinks for them to sit there? I was like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, that drink you're buying is apple juice. And you're paying for like, you're paying like four or five dollars every time you do it or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, that's, he's like, they're literally, the Filipinos are actually literally here on contract, six months contracts to do that to make the bar money. And then after Jeez. six months, they go back to their, you know, the Philippines and then like their sister or their cousin comes over for six months. They just keep rotating them out. And I was like, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, man. Holy but then he cow. goes, but then he, he goes, yeah, but when they go back to the Philippines, they they go back to the Philippines with like a thousand American dollars. I'm like, that's, that's a lot. It? Yeah. And then that's when he, he told, he's like, dude, that's a lot. You can live a whole year off a thousand bucks, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. So Japan was a lot of booze. I drank a lot out there. Um, but I had fun. Yeah, well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> so um, 
when uh how was like uh as you finished up your time there in japan and uh going through all the base training stuff um making this shift now to come back like how was you how was your uh the transition because i know going from an overseas back to a state that i know that can be pretty trivial and it can actually be kind of stressful uh i know for me it was it just let alone moving when i was went from the states to germany and then from germany to hawaii and then from hawaii to the states it's just stressful you know you got so much stuff you got packaging and stuff and then but for you going from japan uh back to the states after four years you know it's a it's a culture change because for a lot happens in four years in, yeah. in one place so um walk us through how that transition went for you was it hard was it not hard I, like my transition sucked it was it was very hard going into civilian life for me um and we talked about that on your uh on your podcast yeah. on the struggle i had and for about a year and a half it was just not okay uh yeah. so for you how how was that for you yeah so what I'll start off like this. So when I was in Okinawa, Japan, I ended up going with, to um, South Korea for a little bit. And when I was in South Korea, everything out there is almost bootlegged. Everything. Every, and they get like football jerseys, basketball jerseys, Gucci bags, and everything else for like 20 bucks, like real shit, you know. And um, so I bought a bunch of jerseys while I was in, in uh, South Korea. And I had them all in my barracks room. And had them on the wall and everything else. And the night before I left Okinawa to go back to, so I went back to Camp Lejeune um, for division licensing. I got fucking military grade drunk. Oh, and wow. <laughs> me and my buddy were, were really shit faced. And I remember I forgot all my jerseys on the fucking wall and shit like that. I was so fucking pissed. Like I didn't care about like coming back to the States. I was like, whatever, I'm the Marine Corps. I don't have a choice. I'm going to this news station. I'm back in America. We'll see what happens when I get there. And I had division licensing. So everybody's like, dude, that's fucking cake. Like that's almost like the best thing you can have on Camp Lejeune. So I was like, all right, good to go. And uh, I remember being in the airport hungover. And I wake up to them calling my name on the intercom. Like, cause oh, I'm no. sitting there. They're like, last call, last call again. Like we can't hold this plane any longer. And I wake up and like everybody around me is gone. I'm the only dude sitting there. So I'm like, fuck, I got to get on the fucking plane. And <laughs> so I tell the stewardess lady, whatever they're called when you, before you get on the plane, I was like, why don't you just come over and wake me up? Obviously I'm the guy you're looking for. I'm the only one here passed out drooling on myself. Just fucking wake me up. <laughs> but they're like, oh, we didn't want to wake you up. I'm like, I don't want to miss my fucking flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I made it back to the, to the States and then went down to, I actually went down to Lejeune before I was supposed to be there. Um, Me and my buddy there that we got stuck with each other the whole time we were in. I mean, he's still in now. He's a gunny now. I got out, but. Um, we got like this cabin thing on Camp Lejeune. You can rent a cabins down there for pretty cheap. So we got a cabin. We were there for a little bit before we actually had to go to our command. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, he went to truck company, which is at the time the most deployed unit in the Marine Corps. So I was like, well, you're going to fucking go eventually. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty, pretty fucking cake over here where I'm at. And then when I was at division four licensing, a little bit, little time probably about a year into that i ended up getting a secondary mos of marksmanship coach and then cool. i spent like the last year of my marine corps life 
on the range. Nice. Just shooting, telling people, showing Marines how to shoot their firearms and shit. So I had it pretty easy, kind of, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't really, it wasn't that big of a deal. I wanted to be back in the States. You know, to this day, I still want to go back to Okinawa for a couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. um, I wanted to be back in the States. And when they finally, my two years was up, I was like, yeah, I'm not extending out here. I'm going back to the fucking States. Um, it wasn't that big for me. It wasn't that hard. Um, but I did get divorced when I was in Japan, Okinawa, Japan. That was my first divorce. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So that was kind of easy because I called her up. I was like, what's your social security number? And she's like, blah, 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 blah. Why? Why do you need that? I was like, divorce papers. You'll get them in a couple of weeks. And I hung up the phone. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, I found out she was doing some shit back here that I wasn't okay with. So right. I was like, yeah, I'm not fucking not, not dealing with this. Yeah. So, you know, then I got remarried or whatnot. And I actually went into admin with both documents. Like, here's my divorce finalized paperwork. And here's my marriage, which was like the day <laughs> after I got divorced. And the admin dude's like, dude, this is badass. All I got to do is change the name. <laughs> I was like, no gap and pay. <laughs> this is badass. That's pretty good. <laughs> yep. So after I get out of the Marine Corps, that's when like in 09, that's when I went. So I stayed in Lejeune because admin's like, We'll either pay you to go back to mass, your home of record, mm-hmm. or we'll just pay you and you can stay here. Oh, wow. So either way you look at it, it's either you're going to use the money, we'll move all your shit, or you can just take the money. I was like, I'll just take the fucking money. Yeah. Like at the time, because like, I had really, besides my grandfather up here, I had really no purpose to come back to mass. Mm-hmm. You know, mass sucks. It's a very liberal state and it's fucking all kinds of stupid issues that goes on here and it snows and i'm like all no about <laughs> yeah i'm all about nice weather and stuff like that so i wanted i didn't want to come back up here north carolina i like north carolina the, the people down there stuff like that and they got one snowstorm it was like a half an inch or something like that and they shut everything down yeah they was shut crazy yeah they shut lejeune down i was like what we're marines like this is fucking what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's when I get my second divorce is when I got out of the Marine Corps. I was like, all right, you know, this is over, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause then, so my last name is not really all that good of a last name and stuff like that. So I had to deal with like, I dealt with like, okay, so I joined the Marine Corps. I wanted to go to Iraq. I volunteered twice to go, but they just never let me go. And so I was dealing with that whole, I joined for a reason and, and I didn't do the reason. So I feel like every time, like even to this day, when I'm like talking to other combat veterans or whatever, I definitely put them at a higher pedestal than I do because they fucking earned it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I dealt with that quite a bit when I got out. And then I couldn't find a job anywhere in North and, you know, in Verona, North Carolina, because everybody is a fucking Marine down there. So being a Marine meant nothing. They're like, yeah, Cool. You got a bachelor degree? I'm like, no, I'm a Marine, dude. I can barely read. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? So that's when I started going through my hard time. So then I ended up kind of relapsing back into drugs. But this mm-hmm. time it was harder. I was more into it than I was before I got into the Marine Corps. 
So like in my Marine Corps time, I was like, yeah, I'm actually doing something. I'm drinking all the time, having fun or whatever. But I never actually felt like I earned what I got. You know what I mean? Like all the medals and all the fucking stupid shit that I have. I'm like, I didn't earn any of this shit because it's just I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. So I dealt with that for a little bit when I got out and I was doing the drugs and everything else. And I told my ex-wife at that point, I was like, whatever you can get in your Dodge Stratus, you can have get the fuck out. You know, get back up to mass, fucking file the paperwork. I'm done with you. Because I was just, at that point, I was just shutting everything else out. I didn't really care about anything else. Um, you know, lost my job. I was landscaping at the time. Lost my job. Lost, you know, my truck got fucking repoed. You know, so I didn't like myself anymore. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, fuck. You know, I do all this. I had great pretend. I moved out of my parents' house when I was 15. So I should probably been to jail or be dead by now anyways. Joined the Marine Corps, fixed my life, and now I'm going right back down to fucking. So I was kind of like felt destined that like no matter what I did, I was never going to succeed. I was never going to, you know, that's just what my hand was dealt to me. Um, So one day I started walking down. There's like Wilmington Road or whatever. It's, a, it's like uh, it's not quite a highway, but they call it a highway down there because like the mm -hmm. speed limit is like 70 miles an hour or whatever. So I was walking down the road and that when all of that hit me, like, dude, you lost your truck, you lost your job, you know, you, two divorces, you never, you're not even good enough to deploy, you know, you got out of the Marine Corps, all of this shit just started fucking hitting me. Like you can't find a job. Nobody gives a shit, that kind of thing. So I was walking down the street and I was, I was seriously contemplating. I was like, either. I was like, one or two things going to happen today. Either I'm going to jump in front of a truck or I'm just going to hitchhike and I'm going to go out west and I'm just going to be homeless the rest of my life because I don't have to worry about winter or anything like that out west. So I can just live on the fucking street. Yeah. And my buddy that we hung out with that went through everything with me in the Marine Corps, he is such an awesome battle buddy. He actually knew my grandfather up here in Mass because we went on leave and stuff like that. I brought him up here. He knew my grandfather. He had my grandfather's contact and stuff like that and called my grandfather and said, hey, listen, Dave's in a fucking real bad spot. He's literally going down the fucking road right now. He's like, I'm trying to fucking find this dude. And, you know, he's in a bad spot. And he tells my grandfather everything. Like, you know, he just lost his job, mm -hmm. you know, marriage, everything. And, uh, you know, he hates himself because he never actually did what he wanted to do. So my grandfather said, all right, call the sheriff's department. Sheriff fucking picked me up and I went into like, um, like a suicide ward for about a week, you know, and I got out of there because it was at that moment that I, I told myself, I said, listen, right now I feel like everything I've done doesn't mean shit. Like I'm worthless, this, that, and the other thing. And going through all of that, I was like, if I, if I commit suicide, if I become a 22, then that statement is true. That's never going to change. That's my outcome. That's what happened to me. <clears throat> never going to change. Or I can do better than I've been doing and just push myself and, you know, quit. So I, so I quit all my drugs and stuff like that. And I said, I have to get out of North Carolina. So I came back up to, I told, called my grandfather. I came back up to mass 
And he's like, yeah, you can live in my basement if you want. You know, I'm not going to charge you rent to get on your feet, this, that, and the other thing. And ever since I hit that reset button on my life and realized that nothing's going to change unless I change it, then that was the best moment out of my whole life, out of the whole Marine Corps career, everything was the fact that I recognized where I was going and I changed myself. And now I have a six-year-old that runs around. I have a third wife that's amazing. You know, I have a really good job. I got a house. I got all this shit that I've never thought I would ever do. You know, I got a really good job. And it's kind of like, I sit back now and going, you know what, fucking 11 years ago, whatever, I was fucking with nothing, with nothing, right. you know, going to jump in front of a truck. And the only reason why I didn't jump in front of the truck, I'm like, I don't know who's driving that truck. You know what I mean? That dude could yeah. have fucking a newborn at home for all I know. So it was, uh, it was definitely tough. Um, I'm definitely glad I pulled through it all. So that's why I created my podcast, American vet podcast is to let people know that once you get rid of the stigma of talking about it and you're open with yourself and you start being open with other people, even the people that you know, the naysayers or whatever, like, oh, you're just looking for attention, this, that, and the other thing. If you don't, if you stop with that answer, you're never going to get better. You know, right. keep telling people about it. Keep telling people, you know, what you're going through. Like, I don't have PTSD. I don't have TBI. I don't have any of that because I've never deployed. Not saying that you have to deploy to get it, but I never had a crazy experience in my life to give it to me. But, I still almost became a 22 because I didn't like myself at one point. And when you right. get to that point, that's when you really need to reach out. Right. And that's what I wrote here too. Um, and a lot of people always have the conception of like, you know, people who don't deploy are not important. I've actually had to correct a few people. And I, and I tell people that the people who don't deploy are just as important as the people who do deploy because yeah. the people who deploy forward are doing a job, but there has to be someone in the back doing work also like if we send the entire military forward all five hundred thousand soldiers who the hell's back in the united states yeah no one so there has to be people in the back like the admin people like your job the motor people those people are just as important because for all you know you're fixing stuff you're handling paperwork so that way the people forward you're supporting them you're supporting combat operations so in you i have to try to to get people to understand sometimes is you got, you got to reword and re kind of shape that mind because for like thinking like, Oh, I'm not important. So I didn't go. I was like, no, you're just as important because if it wasn't for you, I would be able to, I would be unable to do my job in Afghanistan and Iraq when I went, you know, cause I'd be worried about paperwork. I'd be worried about this. You know, I'm getting vehicle parts. That's cause of you. That's cause of you in the States. I'm getting vehicle parts. I'm getting weapons parts. I'm getting parts ordered. It's cause of people in the back. You know, so it's like it's it's an equal team. And that's what uh when you have to be able to bridge that together. And, and that's like how you said, it's that stigma. I mean, yeah, you deploy uh, and there's just some people who deploy that don't experience anything. So it's like everybody's experience and, and things are different. And you it's, it's not I almost want to say like it's not fair to compare someone who's deployed to is not deployed because you like for you, you had non-deployers guilt. 
And that's yeah. huge. That That's a big thing. And that can actually create a heavy toll just as bad as someone who went over there and experienced a whole bunch of stuff. Like, and I don't even compare stuff like that. Like my experiences in trauma can't compare to yours because you didn't go and you dealt with all that. Right. I went and it's a whole different set. Like I experienced right. the death. I experienced the killing. I experienced almost being killed a whole bunch of times. So it's like, it's not like yours, but you have that guilt because you didn't do that. So you're carrying a different burden than me. But at the end, it's still the same burden. We still yeah. have the same traumas. They're just structured different, you know, and that's where the support has to come in, you know, to where someone like me or your or your buddy who called you grandpa. Like I call that divine, divine intervention in itself, because if it wasn't for him, man, who knows where you'd be at right now? You right. know, and it's, and it's always that one person that will just kind of slide in there, you know, and, and kind of just the track you're on, they'll just go boop, and they'll freaking ding you back off and you'll be like, oh, OK. And they kind of going to do that. And I'm glad that you were able to uh, pull yourself out of it because that's that's really hard to do for yeah. someone to pull themselves out of it. I know me, I was unable to. I had to have help and I had to have support. And I unfortunately had to get arrested in order for all that for me to to completely reach the bottom and then think I'm good and then fall more to then realize like, okay, I think I I don't think there's any more cliffs. So now I think I can get up, you know, but I had to have help to do that. Yes, I did it myself, but I had a strong support network helping me. And for you to be able to do it on your own, that's, I commend you in itself because that is a very difficult task, you know, because yeah. even during my climb back up, there was a couple of times I just wanted to let go and fall again because it was hard, you know? Right. So you having that, that discipline, just that drive to do it is, is even more inspiring for anyone listening saying, look, even if you don't have the help, it's possible because this guy right here, this Marine, he did it. Yeah. He did it on his own. So don't think you can do it on your own. Because you can, it's just very hard. But if you yeah. have a strong support network, like support people who support you and things like that, don't tune them out and be like, I can do it by myself. No, use them if you have them, because absolutely. then you'll just get out of that spot much quicker. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it all started with, like I said, my 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 buddy that went through everything, my battle buddy, um, I call him, but you know, he if he didn't man up and call my grandfather. That's what really got everything going. So it's, you know, I just want to make a point out there, like everybody out there, if you know somebody that's going through some shit and you even think about it, you know, either call them up directly and talk to them directly or get them the help that they need, you know, because a lot of times, like, like you said, like, yes, I did pull myself out of it, but if he never called my grandfather, I would have never been able have been given that opportunity to pull myself out exactly and that's that that's that hand that extends there's always that one hand yep. y- anyone can do it by themselves but there's always that one hand that comes out and it's like hey here grab yep. my hand and you have to you have to put your ego aside and and yeah. leave it at the door and be like you know what all right i need some help and i and it's a hard thing to do you know what i mean it's 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 really really hard to do that and once you do, though, and you learn to keep your ego in check because, you know, like you need the help, things happen. It's a lot. You know, things will start to move in a, in a good direction. And I think that's that's what the main key of what we're talking about here today. And then yep. it's, we, we're in this in this battle together and 
just because, like I said earlier, if you deploy, okay, good. You know, you got your you got your own rucksack of crap. If you didn't deploy and you took it as heavy as Dave did, that's a whole different bag of crap. Like I can't even pretend to to act like I know what that means, you know, because then that would just make me ignorant or be like, oh, my stuff's worse than yours. No, I don't know that. You, I can't compare mine to yours because I don't know what that feels like. You know, right. I can't go to someone and hang out with vets and be like, oh, who didn't deploy? Okay, you're a piece of crap. You suck. I don't know the reasons for not deploying. Maybe one of them got asthma. Maybe one of them has like a heart murmur or maybe one of them's getting medically deployed I, or medically retired. I don't know. So I, yeah. it would be unfair to do that. So I just give everybody the fair shot. Now, unless they straight dodged the deployment, like just didn't go. Yeah. And like found a reason, then okay, then okay, then you just stop, you know, like you, right. you go over there, like, and I still won't even be mean. I'll just be like, just go, go somewhere yeah. else, like go somewhere else. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, like, it is, it's, it's, it's tough not fulfilling your personal obligations to what you want to do, and. Yeah, it's 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 hard, but it's something you just got to keep going. You got to keep going, and you know, and like you're saying that, you know, everybody has a story. You know, everybody has every veteran out there has a reason why they did this or a reason why they didn't do this, and whatever. And that's another reason why I started my podcast is to try to let people out there know, like, you know, you see the word veteran, but that veteran was a father or a brother or something like that before they became a veteran. You know what I mean? Everybody gets built up. Everybody does things for certain reasons. And then, you know, like for me, I'm a success story, right? Just like you. And that's what worked for me is that one battle buddy that called, got me the ball rolling. And like I said, now I have an amazing house. I have an amazing wife, an awesome daughter. You know, I can't, I don't have anything to complain about anymore. You know, I like me now, you know, I don't hate myself anymore. Right. And it started with him. And that's why that's what worked for me. And what worked for me doesn't work for everybody. Right. Like for you, you had, you know, you ended up having to go to jail and this, that, and the other thing, but we got to get rid of the stigma and we have to let people know that you're a veteran. What you did or didn't do doesn't really matter if you're, dealing with yourself inside right that's 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 a that's a really good point man because uh i know for a while uh i was unable to look at myself in the mirror and i know for for veterans both men and women because women have their own that's a whole different set of uh crazy that's a whole different set of stuff that they deal with i've had a couple female veterans come on here and that's a whole different bag of stuff that I can't, I can't speak on it because I'm not a woman. You know, I can't, I can't be like, oh yeah, you know, I was a woman in the army. No, I wasn't. So that's a, that's a whole different mental uh, struggle of things. But like the hardest part is, is uh, looking at yourself in the mirror and being able to look at yourself and actually not even like yourself, love yourself, you know, because you can like yourself and you can be like, oh yeah, I'm cool. You know, okay. But to actually sit there and be like, you know what? I love what I look like. I don't have to change anything. Or if you're if you're a woman, I don't have to put ten pounds of makeup on my face to change my entire face because I right. love who I am. Right. And that's and that I think that is once that bridge happens and once once that connection happens with yourself, then amazing. 
other things start to happen. You know, other other things start to take shape and form where you'll start pushing in a direction because, you know, the 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 universe is saying, hey, you're going this way. You love yourself now. Here, go, go. Yeah. And then those it'll start putting things in your way and putting things in your path, both good and bad, because it's going to test you, you know, because everything that you if you have so much good, you're not going to learn anything because you have to go through bad shit in order to learn. Yeah. You know, like it has to be checks and balances. So like if it's if it's too good, I'm not saying expect something bad to happen, but just know something will because you're going to be tested. And maybe there's something you need to learn because you're riding a high horse. And sometimes you got to, you know, sometimes that horse has got to buck a little bit in order to be like, whoa, okay, hold on. Let me something I got to learn here, you know? So and that's just, that's the, the, the wave you have to ride is taking the good and the bad. And yeah. once you're able to do that and actually appreciate yourself for what you've done, both deploying, not deploying, like uh, for you, like you did the whole marksman thing. I wanted yeah. to do that in the army. I was a damn good marksman, but because my job was field artillery, they would not let me go to sniper school because it was only for infantry type jobs. So they would not let me go to sniper school at all. And I wanted to go. Uh, my unit tried to get me to go in Germany. Didn't happen. So like for a while, that was still kind of like, dang, you know, it's like I wanted to do that, you know? Right. So, and but you got to do that. So see, so it's, I get to share that with you. And it's like, dang, you know what? That's kind of cool. You got to do that. That's pretty legit. And then I just like hearing the stories because I, that's something I wanted to do. And I can't go back and change that. But now this is this is where the fork in the road happens. And I'm just going to use that as an example. So now there's a fork here. I go, yes. I can either be depressed, pissed off because I didn't go to sniper school because I chose field artillery. Or I can be like, you know what? It's okay. I didn't go to sniper school, but I'm a damn good shot. I know it. My unit knows it. But I did all this other crap yeah. because I didn't go to sniper school. Now, if I would have went to sniper school, would I have learned all the other stuff that I learned when I was deployed? Would I have even deployed again? Would I have got any of the right. it, an experience that I got? So it's like, I you, you got to be able to put, you got to look at the bigger picture for things. So if something didn't happen, it didn't happen for a reason. You know, right. you weren't supposed to do this. Maybe for you, you weren't supposed to deploy. For whatever reason, you weren't supposed to deploy. Well, and I, it, that's just that's just the way I see it. Like I, I know inside for me, I had I feel like I have one more deployment left, but right. that's not going to happen. And for a while, that that ate me up. And then just recently, over the past year, I was okay with that. I'm all right with that now because for whatever reason, I'm not supposed to go over there because I may not make it back. And Lord knows, if you put my stuff on paper, I probably shouldn't have been back the second or third time. Like right. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's funny you you say that. So. You know, that's the guilt that I lived with that I never deployed, right? It got me up to the point where I almost became a 22, and now I'm on the better side of it. So now I look at it like this. Like, yeah, it sucks that I didn't, I didn't deploy. I still live with that a little bit. But listen, I didn't deploy when I was in before 09. 09 is when I went down, you know, the, the bad road. If I had deployed, obviously, I wasn't mentally strong enough. To handle myself you know what i mean so i would have yeah. went out there i would have got myself hurt or would worse i would have got somebody else hurt you know so now that I've, I've i went down the bad road and you know almost became a 22 and i pulled myself out of it now i'm like i'm ready for a deployment 
like now I can deploy. It's just, you know, I've been out for too damn long and I'm old and fat and everything <laughs> else. So, but you know, that's the way I, I kind of cope with it now is if I, if I had deployed, I probably would have, you know, not knowing it, I would have hurt myself or somebody else. But now that I've, I've went through the bad road and I hit the reset button and I am, I like me, you know, I'm, I'm good with myself now. And so, I mean, I think that's what, that's the reason why I didn't get to deploy. Right. And, and, you know, and, and the fact that you're able to come to terms with that now is, is, is perfect because that's, that just show, it shows a successful transition and there's no timeline on the transition. Like yeah. mine is, is what well, we're at 18, 21, two and a half years in the going. And I don't consider it successful yet. It's not mm-hmm. successful because I'm, I'm not where I want to be yet. Cause I'm still going after it. And yeah. one thing that like, and I, and I switched this to a motivation thing now. So it's like, once you're successful, what's next? Yeah. You become comfortable. You become complacent and like how they tell you when you deploy complacency kills. Yep. So I don't ever want to be a hundred percent successful. I want to be 99% successful because I, there's still one, there's that 1% that I still need to go get. Yep. I'm never going to get it because if I do, then what, what do I have to learn? I have nothing to learn. I have nothing to gain. I have nothing to grow. So I'm going to chase that 1% all the way till my last breath. Because that means I'm going to keep learning, I'm going to keep growing, I'm going to keep inspiring, and I'm going to have shortfalls. And as you will, we'll have a, we'll have we'll get knocked down, we'll get punched in the mouth, we'll get blindsided, yeah. and it's just getting right back up. And it's like okay, kind of checking the chain, like all right, you got me, cool, you know, <laughs> got you. Let me knock that 99% knocks back down to about 80%. It's like all right, hold on, let me check my chin. Can I get some ice real quick? You know, just to kind of recollect thoughts and then go back after it and uh, as we're we're coming close on the time here, I just wanted to uh, have people or you see if you can leave a closing statement for for the best listening, especially with your your story here. Um, what's one message you can tell them, dude? That uh, if they want to take anything from this um, podcast today, especially if they, if they made it all the way to the end, what's one thing you want to tell them? So I'll I'll say this. Um... If you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on those who didn't cut you. Nice. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. And that's 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 true everywhere. If you don't fix yourself, you're going to bleed on everybody that's around you. And you're going to, you know, significant others, your family members, every, your friends, everybody. And you know, going into military nowadays is completely different than you know when i went in an 05 but at this at the end of the day you need to fight your battles before you go fight the battle for the country you know what i mean mm-hmm. fight your own battles like we've been talking about here be good with yourself because you're not you're not going to be good with anything else out there and everybody's dealt different hands like we said too and Communication is key for everything. Yes, Talk to everybody, you know, get your story out there, get it off your chest, you know, podcasting, you know, I love my podcast because I talk to all kinds of different vets. I meet people from everywhere. I get different stories all the time. 
And it's amazing on finding out like, you know, who they were before they got in, what they did, what their struggles were, how they fixed them, how they got through it is amazing. It's just, it's phenomenal. And that right there, you know, every episode that I push out there to everybody, I'm hoping my idea for my podcast, you know, I'm not going to be rich off my podcast. I'm not going to live, you know, a crazy life in my podcast because I've already made it known. Everything that I get from my podcast, the Patreons, the store, everything, all of it goes to Mission 22. I don't take a single dime from from my podcast um, because that's not what I'm, that's not what my podcast is about. It's about to get that one episode to that one veteran that needed to hear it at that moment to realize you hit that reset button and you will have the best life you never knew afterwards. Dude, so, that's, that, that's a, that's a, that's, that's awesome, man. The reset button. I like that. That's, that's pretty good. I wrote that down too. Uh, <clears throat> and as you see people, um, as he, as Dave was sharing a story, it's, 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 uh, it's vulnerability yep. and you have to do that. And, Sometimes you just got to rip the bandaid off and the scar go and the, and the scab goes with it. And yeah, it's going to bleed and yeah, it's going to hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to, and there will be naysayers. There will be people that say you're faking and that's just the way it works. It's the yin and the yang. But the more you talk about it, the more you're vulnerable and the more you're just, and I'm not saying go out of your way to make it some big speech or Ted talk or nothing like that. Cause if you're not there, but even if it's just writing, writing it down on a paper or in a journal, or going on, or going on a Facebook live and just talking, you know, yep. once you get it initially, and that's the hardest part is the first time you want to talk about it. That's the hardest part. Yeah. And you don't have to put it all out there at once. You put what you're comfortable. Like I, I still got a couple of things locked up in my closet. I'm not ready to talk about yet, and right. it's because I'm not there yet. I'm right. not, I'm not there at that point to bring that stuff up, but. I talk with my fiance about it. She knows all the stuff. I'm just not on a public forum there yet. And that's okay. And I may never be, but I've shared a lot. And like how you had, you've been extremely vulnerable. And that's what it's about, man, because someone could have gone through the same thing as you because they are out there. There are the non-deployers out there who haven't gone, who are feeling the, not your exact thing, but they can empathize with you because they like, dang, you know what? I feel the same way. I felt the same way. What the hell? This is crazy. You know, and, they, and you, you just you just like indirectly connected yourself with somebody because they heard your story. Yeah. So when you share your story, you're connecting with somebody, you know, and they may not write. They may not uh, send you a message or nothing like that. And they don't have to. But right. you connected with them. They heard it and they go, you know, because I've done that. I've listened to people and I go, damn. I didn't write no comment. I didn't hit a little freaking likey button thing or uh, the emojis, the the yellow face people. I didn't do any of that stuff. I was just like, damn, that one hit pretty deep. Okay, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep going, and that's yeah. and that's all right. They they made a connect. I made a connection with them, and that sometimes that's all you need. And it's like how you said at that one moment, that last thing or that one thing. They heard it and it clicked them and it switched their path. And that's all that that's what I try to do. That's what you try to do. I've heard some of your guys, some of your things and phenomenal people. Like yeah. we've met some phenomenal people and I've, I've actually gotten a few phone numbers of people that now I keep in my phone that I would not expect to have. Right. 
Um, and it's just, I check on them now, you know, and they do the same. And it's just, you, you build relationships like that. And I think those are, those are cherishable, uh, with you. And like, uh, when I did mine, actually, he's watching now, Tim, I call him the doctor because, uh, <laughs> he's got like the psychology degree and all this other stuff and clinicals. And, um, he won, he actually said here, and well, I'll share his comment here. He, uh, he wants to follow up with us, you know? Yeah. And Perfect. yeah, so Tim, you can uh, go to American was American vet podcast.com, right? And yep, yeah, and you can you can do that and uh, you can talk to Dave and we'll, we'll set up another time again so that way we can uh, I can get him back on here because he that's going to be interesting because he's a he's a veteran also, so he's going to provide like the clinical perspective and like Perfect. the actual like psychology perspective of things and being an actual practitioner and stuff so that's kind of cool you know so now yeah. uh, you, you get both sides of the fence here it's like okay yeah this and he deployed too i think he was a marine also um yeah. oh yeah he was because the when i had shared my template people thought i was him and they're like well why is the army guy in a marine uniform <laughs> and things and i'm like read the caption people like yeah there's two two people on here and i can see if you do a quick look yeah but i won't talk to myself with two different images um right. and my name's not tim first of all <laughs> my name's eric and if you read the name and the the banner it says eric so yep. just kind of throwing that out there so i'm going to use the same picture so I'm, I'm quite inclined to see what happens again but um but yeah uh it's going to be great to hear from him again and then for you dave i appreciate you coming on here and coming on the show you know i i love pushing out people who have podcasts there's a couple of other people i'm trying to reach out to i done stumbled across on the instagram trying to get on here who have podcasts and stuff but i, I like pushing up other podcasts because we're all doing the same thing but it's all different and yep. you're not going to get the same person you know even if that person comes up again and i have a person that you spoke to or vice versa they're going to share their story but it's going to come it's going to be different different it's yeah. gonna, it's it's gonna, it's not gonna be verbatim the same. They may say, they may say something that they didn't say on mine that they're gonna say on yours and vice versa. So yeah. that's the thing. So if you people are listening, not tuning into veteran podcasts, you should check them out. You know, because there are some good ones out there that you know they talk. We talk about real issues and real things. Right. So, um, I again, I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, if you want to follow Dave anywhere, I put some of his stuff down there in the description. He's his website. Uh, AmericanVetPodcast.com. Um, he same thing for the Instagram. That's that's the same yep. thing. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram, WarriorMindset.Motivation. That's for Instagram. Uh, I'm starting to rebuild up that follower thing after creating that page. So tell, like I would say, tell your fam, tell your family, tell your friends, share with your cat, dog, and all that stuff. You know, and get people listening and tuning in because 22 a day is is a serious thing and yeah. If we're going to start attacking that, you know, we have to start. We have to start and we're making strides, but we got a long way to go. People long way to go. Yeah, that's so. 20, 22 a day has been a run around way too long. So whatever we're doing is not working. We need to change it up. Social yep. media is a huge thing right now. So pushing podcasts out there like that, you know, is, is it's helping. It helps me and we're meeting. Now I'm going to meet Tim and it, it's connecting all of us. And Tim's yep. going to know some, like maybe some veteran organizations out there, nonprofit that's going to help, help me somehow help somebody else, but he's going to tell me about it. And I'm going to tell one of my viewers about it and stuff. And that's creating a great circle. And, uh, I want to do say thanks for letting me come on your show. Um, yeah. 
And I just want to remind or let people know on your show too. I open, I have a open zoom meeting every Friday night, which is going to be changing into Thursday nights where anybody can get on there. There's no password. Just click the thing, get on a zoom and it's seven thirty Eastern time PM at night. And it's like a virtual bar. A bunch of us just get on and we all just bullshit about whatever we want to bullshit about. It's just vets connecting vets. And uh, I just don't talk about hate religion or politics. And we all have good times and it usually goes until like two, three o'clock in the morning. Cool. Um, yeah. Anybody's anybody's welcome to come on there. I usually get military grade drunk okay. towards the end, but it's because I'm having a good time, man. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll try to get up on there on the Thursdays. I don't drink. So I'll drink my, my ZOA energy drink or my water and I can yep. watch you guys. And I'll be that. Uh, what was it? We're not, there's no driving. So I can be your, your IDD, your internet designated driver. There we go. There you go. Yep. So I'll be an IDD on that one. So yep. Yep. The links, on my, <laughs> links on my web, my website, the link is on there for that. And also on my Facebook, Instagram and everything else at American vet podcast. Sweet. So uh, there you go. People you want veterans, you want happy hour going there. You can go get happy hour on Thursday and uh, see what's going on. Relive some old times, share some stories. It'd be a good time. Um, I appreciate everybody for watching on this uh, weekend edition of the WM2 podcast. It's not typical. So those who were able to tune in, thank you. Cause I know it's not the typical day and there are some other days that'll be off. And those, those are special editions cause they're not Thursdays. So this one's weekend edition. And then, you know, we'll see you on any other day. So again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I hope everyone has a good weekend. Um, and since I ain't done this in a while, a quick little safety brief. Uh, if you're going to drink, if you're going to drink, don't drive. If you're going to drive, don't drink. Don't beat your spouse. Don't beat your cat. Don't beat your dog. If you got to think twice about it, don't do it. Uh, no glove, no love. Um, don't be a dick. Else? Yeah, don't be a di- Don't be a dick. If you're going to go swimming, make sure you have safety devices so that way you don't drown. Uh, if you have alcohol, don't do anything that involves any type of heavy machinery or swimming or driving or anything. Just don't mix it. If you're going to drink, be in a spot, hide your keys and enjoy yourself. And have a good weekend. And if you need assistance, call your battle buddy because there's always one you can call. And we will see you guys. I was going to say Monday. I got a flashback for a second because I felt like a platoon sergeant for a second. But you will see yourself the next morning, hopefully, and your family and friends. And you'll go to work. And then you'll tune into my podcast on Thursday. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Stay safe. And like, uh, that's about it. That's all I got. Cool. All right. Take it easy, guys.